uh, God does, God vacations in Florida, but he lives in Texas. Uh, I've got my grandson. He's four years old. He's convinced of that. And I said, uh, he goes, Pop, Pop, where are you going? I said, I'm going back home to Texas. He goes, where God lives? I said, yep. He vacations in Florida, but he lives here. And it is, it's exciting for us to be here. We had a good time Friday night at Love Letters. How many were, remember? Okay. How many, some guys are like, yeah, I I don't know about that stuff. But uh, we had a great time. Uh, I had an awesome time. And it's good to have my wife with me. In two weeks, we will celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, Well, we'll only be married 32 years, but... Everybody talks about how great the 50th is, so we decided let's let's fast forward in case I don't make it, and uh, we'll just go ahead and celebrate that and get it out of the way, and we'll be good. And I've got that. You ever gotten the stink eye, men? All right, if you haven't, you will. We have been married uh, 30 in two weeks, 32 years, and I've survived it. By the grace of God, she's let me live. And uh, two children and three grandchildren, two dogs, a goldfish. Well, we got rid of him. Oh, it's a beta now. We got a beta fish. And what else do we have? That's until my son brings something else home. And he's married, so his wife will say no, and then it will come to come to mom and dad's house. And uh, but yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way when I don't have a Snickers. I'm just not the same. And uh, so I completely understand, completely. In fact, I'm going to start crying with you in just a minute because you just don't feel the same without your Snickers in the morning. So, but we, are, we had a good time. Men, remember we did our men's pledge? How many of y'all, how many guys remember that? Yeah, okay. Ready to do it again? No. <laughs> One guy, one, thank you. Thanks. One, one honest guy. Okay, so we had one honest man, so all the men stand up. Stand up. I ain't playing with y'all. Raise your hand. Put your hand over your heart. Okay. Yeah, you're the right, sir. Uh, this is how you. This is how you get rid of every argument that your wife will bring up and that you will cause. This is how you stop it. I'm a man. I'm wrong. End of story. Does that work? Does that work? It works. Every time. Every time. And But it is good to have her. She doesn't travel with me as much as she used to and because uh, of her work, uh, where you work at at the school and... And she doesn't want to leave those little babies behind That's too far. No reason. Yeah, I know. I've been replaced. It'll happen, dude. Trust me. But I know she's getting very uncomfortable because she does not like being up on stage. Uh, you'd rather be behind the scenes. So uh, you go right ahead. I'm going to sit down. Because uh, you preach at me constantly. And it is good to be here with... Pastors Matt and Holly, and Pastor Thrasher and Sister Thrasher. <laughs> I, I grew up in a, a Pentecostal church where everybody was brother and sister. I'm like, they don't look like us. I was one of those kids that was a practical thinker, you know. I always thought outside of the box. Uh, you know, I just was not a very traditional thinker as a child. Growing up in a traditional Pentecostal church, I just stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, and then when I joined Strike Force, everybody said, yeah, that boy's got issues. Breaking bricks with his head. Uh, but we all did it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Five concussions later. Uh, but it is good. It's good to be here with you folks today, with everybody, and uh, with pastors Matt and Holly, and, and love seeing all the new things and transition and change. I mean, you know that change is good. The more you change, the better you get. Uh, can't get any, I ain't going to get no help this morning. So the more you change, the better things things happen. Things Change is good. 
You know, uh, Albert Einstein said the greatest definition of insanity is is to keep doing the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. If you want to do something new and something new exciting, do something different. A uh, great man of God that passed away many, many years ago, you remember Jamie Buckingham? He said, don't do everything the same on Sunday. If the piano was over here this Sunday, move it over to this side the next Sunday. Don't do things the same way. Uh, routines basically is like a rut. And what is a rut? A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out of each end. You just keep getting deeper and deeper. So, but we, again, are happy to be here. We had a great time Friday night. After the service, you can, you can purchase these items. I used to say, because, you know, being from the South and being in, in Texas, we say, go on to HEB and pick up some milk and bread. We mean we're going to pick it up and pay for it. Well, one brother in North Carolina took me serious. I said, you can pick these up after the service. He grabbed a handful of stuff and walked out the door. He, li- he literally, my wife's going, stop saying that. Tell them they can purchase these after the service. We are not money changers in the temple. This is part of our ministry. Uh, seven keys to unlock your miracle. Ten years ago, in fact, ten years ago um, in June, I was diagnosed with a terminal blood cancer for which there's no cure for called multiple myeloma. Uh, they pulled my wife aside and said he's got three months to live. If he makes it three months, then he will stand a good chance of going through the treatments. And I went through every treatment they had radiation, high-dose chemotherapy, uh, stem cell transplants, uh, lost all of my hair. The great thing about chemo is I didn't shave for six or seven months. Just, it was like a car wash. Just walk in, wash, rinse, dry, dress, done. That's it. No worrying about looking in the mirror, see if I missed anything. Uh, But in the midst of the recuperation, well, in the midst of the diagnosis, God gave us a word. He said, you will live and you will not die. You're going to go through some things, but I'm going to get all the glory. And five people, five people that week who didn't really know each other came into my hospital room and said the exact same thing. And even through the throwing up, let's get real, chemo does some things to you, all through the throwing up and dropping down to 155 pounds and looking like, uh, the people from the Nazi death camps, skin hanging, eyes sunken in, looking in the mirror and in the reality thinking it's not good. But God said, you're going to live. And one word from God changes what? Everything. And later in 2006, in fact, December of 2006, uh, what God promised happened. And I can't go into the whole, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but you can listen to it on this CD. And on that day in December, something happened. And that something was God stepped into our living room. It was just me and the dog, and it happened. Went, 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 had blood work, and the doctor called me. She goes, this is unprecedented. We can't find any evidence of disease in your body. And... So, what do we say? To God be the glory. Amen? And uh, we have a, a bunch. Uh, silver and gold have I very little of because I sold it when it was $2,000 an ounce. Uh, but CDs and D- DVDs, we have a plenty. My wife's CD is out there. She is a great conference speaker. You know, I get tired of her preaching at me, and I said, you go preach to the masses now. And... The title of her message is, There's More to Being a Wife Than, in quotation marks, Than I Do. Now, the only part I don't like about this is she told all the bad stuff about me in the first few years of our marriage of what a dirtbag I was, but then how she prayed for a godly husband, and God answered her prayers, and here we are, coming up on 32 great years. Verse 7, we're not so great, but after that, it got better. I'm a man. Therefore, I'm wrong. So, also, this is our drama. This is our 20, we're into our 25th year of ministry. Uh, and 20 years ago in February, which goes down today is March 1st, uh, God gave us an idea sitting in a hotel room in Wisconsin. It was 10, 15 below zero outside. And we wanted to do something different that night in ministry. And we just quickly threw a few scenes together, just wrote it down on paper. 
just, I mean, we just sat down with paper and wrote it down. It's like, uh, if you ever have one of those ideas, it's either going to work or not. This is either God idea or my idea. And if it's my idea, it's going to fail. Well, we put it together, grabbed some people in the church that night, rehearsed it just briefly, did it, and 300 people got saved that night. I said, we're on to something. Now, let's fast forward. We went through some changes in ministry and in, uh, was in pastoral ministry for a while, and now we're uh, back on uh, the road traveling. God gave us a word to bring back our drama called The Decision. I play the part of the devil. I know for some of you that know me, that's kind of a stretch. It's actually an easy job to do, just observe church people. Uh, no, it's, it's actually easy because I'm the youngest of four. I had two older brothers and an older sister. They were great role models. I just, everything that they did, yeah, that's what the devil would do. And, uh, and being a preacher's grandson on both sides of the family just kind of added more fuel to it. But we brought it back, changed everything, changed the look, changed, and I still play the part. I wear more makeup and wear higher heels than every woman in this church. This over-the-top costume, anything worth doing is worth doing over the top. And since 2009 up until now, we've seen over 15,000 people make decisions for Jesus. Just recently, we kicked off our 20th anniversary in Waycross, Georgia, over 300 people in four nights. And we used people in the church, and man, it was, yes, amen, it was an awesome week. And we filmed this two years ago in Miami. Uh, it's rated PG because in Miami we could do some things that we could really get away with. And look, it's just ripped from the headlines stuff that's real life. This is not pretend. This is real life stuff. And uh, let me share this with you. Uh, a dear friend of ours, of mine, uh, that lives in Georgetown, introduced me to a man that lives in Virginia that was diagnosed with uh, end-stage colon cancer. They had removed a foot and a half of his colon. He was going through chemotherapy. And while he was going through the treatments, his five-year-old son collapsed and died in their front yard. And in the midst of his recovery, now he's got to have a, do a funeral. She said, Jerry, I think you can help this man being what you've gone through. I think you can be a, a, a help to him. And he and I started talking and texting and Facebooking, and we would call, I'd call him. And he's an Eagles fan, and, you know, that's a flaw already because I'm a Cowboys fan. And we had a lot of fun going trading jabs back and forth. And, and the cancer came back, and they could not do chemotherapy because it damaged his heart. So basically they just set him up to die. Uh, but he's stating you would never hear him complain about his life. And he goes, he goes, tell me about this drama that I see on your website. And he goes, when are you coming to Virginia? And I said, you know, I just, I don't have any contacts there. But I said, I can do the next best thing. I'll send you a DVD of what we filmed. And you can watch it at your leisure. And uh, you don't have to worry about time constraints. I sent it to him, called him a week later. And he said, Jerry, he says, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. He said, it caused me to question some things about my life, and I rededicated my life to Jesus. And then on May 1st of last year, Craig went and uh, slipped into eternity. And <coughs> I got the phone call. He passed away on that Friday. I got the phone call early Saturday morning. And yes, I cried because you don't like to lose friends, but... He's no longer in pain. He's no longer suffering. He received the ultimate healing. Amen? And now he's, he's with his son, but most importantly, he's with Jesus. And that's the impact that this has had on people's lives. Souls are added to the kingdom, and the people have secured their eternal salvation. Amen? Amen. Uh, before I begin this morning, I would like for you to reach into your purses, hips, pockets, boots, usually where I keep mine. Make sure your cell phone is in silent mode. You do not want it going off in the middle of the service. Trust me, it happens. I was in, used to go to a meeting with pastors uh, many years ago that we would gather together on uh, Thursday mornings, and I was running late, and I hate running late. And every stoplight in town, I had to hit every stoplight, and I slip in. And there was this one brother there that uh, 
always prayed this way. And all the pastors that gathered together there, it was just a time of encouragement. But this guy always prayed. I mean, it was just... Oh, we thank Thee, Father, for another day that we are not in eternity, but we're here. I mean, just these long, drawn out, and just, and I'm, I'm slipping in, trying to be real cool, slide in while he's praying because I know it's going to be at least a twenty-minute prayer. And my wife calls, and I forgot to turn my phone off, and she forgot that I was going. And it was not playing how great is our God or amazing grace or anything like that. No, 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 no. She's a brick Mm-mm, house. She's mighty, mighty. I'm standing there and the prayer stopped. I'm standing next to another pastor who's a good friend of mine. And I'm just going. I threw him under the bus and they knew it was a lie. It was me. So things, hey, things happen. Things can happen at the most inopportune time. So I want to get to the message this morning, but I, this is not a traditional church, so we're not going to do it the traditional way. Instead of me reading the scripture, we're going to have it up on the big screen and we're going to have it in a different way. So direct your attention to the screens, if you would, please. Amen. It's one thing to read Scripture. It's another thing to see it really come to life right in front of you. It's a very familiar passage for some of you, a passage of Scripture. But I don't think we really get the impact of it because it was a vision that God had given the prophet Ezekiel. And he asked him, can these bones live again? And the title of this message this morning is exactly that, Reconnecting a Disconnected People. He carried him away in a vision. But when we read this text in its proper context, it is a depiction of what God did for Israel throughout the centuries. They were connected and they were scattered and they were held in bondage and slavery and they were disconnected. They would reconnect. Then God sent the judges in the book of Judges to judge the nation. Then they cried out for a king and then they got a king that they really didn't need or want. And God said, look, we will, I, I will send you a king. I've already anointed him. And he said, no, we want a king. He gave them Saul, but then they became disconnected again. And then on May 14th, 1948, God breathed new life into a sovereign state, a sovereign nation called Israel. Israel. May 14th, God breathed new life. Amen. We need to stand with Israel. And I'm not going to get political. That's not my agenda today, but we need to stand with God's chosen nation. Amen. But he asked the prophet a very important question. Can these bones live again? Now, the King James is very eloquent in the language. It says, Oh Lord, thou knowest. In other words, I don't know, but I know that you know. Oh, come on now. I know that you know. See, you might be asking yourself questions this morning. How does does this relate to me? How does this relate to you and I in, in 2015? It relates. 
Because there's people asking questions. There's people whose lives are scattered. They're disconnected. They're not, and we use terms in church like being plugged in or connected, but there's a disconnect in people's lives. In pastoral ministry and in ministry today, I st- we still counsel people, and you would be amazed at the, the disconnectedness in the lives of people, especially people who have been in church for a long time. And we get these things that just kind of pull us apart. But what God is saying is, I'm going to pull my people back together. Amen? But there are questions you might be asking like this. What do I do when I don't know what to do next? What do I do when things in my life are scattered? But I've got a question for you. What do you do when life asks you a question and you don't have the answer for it? Come on. Life will throw some questions at you that you will not have the answers for. Come on. We, uh, we like to think that we have all the answers. We like to think that we have it all together. We, we have the exterior looking together, but on the inside, we are just a jacked up mess. Come on. If we just got perfectly honest with one another and with ourselves, we are all just a hot mess on the inside. Come on. I've got four closings. I don't have four points. I have four closings. I used to, I used to say I would close with this, and my daughter says, Dad, you need to stop telling that lie. So I close with this. She goes, I, my daughter, when she was younger, she says, I'm going to hold this, when get up and hold these signs like they do at boxing, uh, the boxing matches. Round one. I was uh, at a conference years ago. Bishop Joseph Garlington from uh, Pittsburgh was there. He closed 14 times. And it took him 45 minutes in between closings. And when he goes, I close with this. And the pastor that was sitting next to me goes, are you keeping count? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's number seven, isn't it? I said, yes, sir, it is. And I close with this, eight, 45 minutes later. I close with this, nine, four. Man, there was nothing open but Waffle House at two, by the time we got out of that church at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I promise you, I'm not going to go that long because I don't want Pastor Matt to be like Moses and stand up and say, let my people go. And besides that, we've got a flight to catch this afternoon, so... And I haven't had my Snickers, so and I'm not acting right when I don't have my Snickers. So, But I have four closings or four points I want you to, if you're a person who likes to take notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, pull your life together. Or if you watch shows like Dr. Phil, what is he telling? The basis of what he's telling is get your act together. Among other things, he's saying, he says, pull yourself together. Get it together. If you look at the if you look at the scripture, it says they were the bones were scattered. They were disconnected. What things in your life are scattered? Ask yourself that question this morning. So you can have all the talent in the world, and your life is still scattered. Oh, we see it on TV. We see if you watch the entertainment channels and entertainment news, you know Justice Beaver, whatever his name is. Uh, Anything that ends in an A with karaoke singers and backup dancers. Yeah, they got the money. They got everything, but their life is a scattered mess. Come on. And, you know, the, the sad thing is a lot of those entertainers and those pop tarts, pop, I mean, pop stars, uh, grew up in church. And here's the, and I don't want this to sound negative, but, you know, the church had rejected a lot of them. So what do they do? They gravitate to what they're accepted toward. And that's where a lot of us, even in, even in, in our Christian walk, we, we feel rejected and disconnected and all those other ecteds. So we try to connect to something that's going to make us feel good, make us feel accepted, make us feel wanted. Come on. Oh, don't know. It's going, it's going to start getting good. It's going, it's going to get real good. But see, you can have all the talent in the world and you can still be messed up. The greatest tragedy in life that many people here today are have everything it takes to succeed, but life's a mess. But you got to pull it together. Now, this is an original quote. You want to write this down? To have everything that you need and not pull it together is worse than not having it at all. To have everything that it takes to succeed or do something in life and not pull it together is worse than not having it at all. 
So you can take a vacant lot and you can fill it with lumber and nails and wire and concrete and rebar and everything that takes to build a house. But if you can't pull all those things together, you can't live in that mess. You got to get somebody that knows how to pull it together. You got to get somebody that can build the house. People fail not because of inability, not because of lack of talent. I've seen people graduate high school and college and, and graduate school with more degrees than a thermometer and still messed up. Come on. Why? Because they're scattered. Now, this is, this is fresh off the press. I, I don't do these canned messages. I was writing this down last night. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this. There are things in life that we have to put away because they're dead. But there are areas and things in our lives that we've allowed to die that must be resurrected and retrieved the scattered parts. We've got to allow the breath or the ruach of God. When God breathed into Adam, he breathed into him what is known in Hebrew as the ruach of God. And when he did, man became a living soul. He didn't breathe into the donkey or the camel, into the zebra. And I believe in taking care of our animals, but he formed man. Come, let us make man and formed him out of the dust of the ground. So men were just a bunch of dirt bags and he formed us out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into that mess that was on the ground and it stood up and it became Adam, Yad Gabor, the ultimate, the first male. But listen to this, when God breathes into your situation, you will realize who you really are. If you'll let God breathe into your life and breathe into your situation, you'll realize who you really are. You will find out your potential. Potential is there, but potential is not enough, which leads me to my second closing. Realize your potential. Tap into your potential. Now, I looked up the word potential, and Webster says it means this, capable of becoming. Capable of becoming. In one translation, I can't remember the offhand translation in Genesis, he told Adam to go to work. When Adam and Eve were pushed out, sent out, kicked out, however you want to say it, of the garden... He told Adam to go to work. Doesn't mean eight to five or nine to five. It means to become something. Capable. You have the potential. Capable of becoming. When God breathes into your situation, you'll realize who you really are. Then you tap into your potential. See, I'm tired of just being potentially blessed or potentially having. I'm, how many grew up in school and your teacher said, you got so much potential? Come on. They used to tell me that all the time. You've got so much potential if you just apply yourself. If you would just apply yourself, you've got so much potential. But you know, the sad thing is they never taught us how to apply the potential. And it's not an indictment against our teachers. Now, I'm not saying that. But if they would just take in the time and just look, this is how you apply yourself. You need to apply to college. You need to apply. So I remember my senior year, after the SATs, you had to apply to five universities. So I just, at will, just picked five. I'm like, okay. Let me send my letter to, I always wanted to live in California, so I sent it to UCLA. I sent one to Notre Dame. I sent one to Duke. And I can't think of the other one. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't Harvard. <laughs> I can tell you right now, it was not Harvard. Uh, and I sent them. UCLA said, thank you for applying and was very eloquent. And, and all the other ones, uh, except Duke, never, uh, Duke did not send one back. I never even got a reply. Here was, I still remember this. Here was the reply from Notre Dame. Thanks for applying. That was it. It, it literally on the beautiful, on their beautiful letterhead with the insignia. Thanks for applying. Boy, my self-esteem hit the toilet that day. Man, talking about capable of becoming nothing. I stink at this, and I'm going to wind up driving a blue Prius. So we all got that, didn't you? Yeah, we got some Jeff Dunham fans in this church. Yeah, we, we know what you're watching. You're not watching TBN. You're watching a comedy channel. <laughs> but I'm tired of that someday syndrome. Someday it will some... Well, what about today? Come on. 
What about today? What about my now? Too many people are living in that someday. Someday I'm going to do that. Why don't you just start doing it today? Someday I'm going to learn. Someday I'm going to do this. Well, why don't you start doing it today? Someday my life will be better. What if your someday is today? Come on. What if your someday is right now? Quit putting it off. Quit procrastinating. It's like a friend of mine said, I'm going to write a book about procrastination when I get around to it. But if you look at the, but if you look at the, the, the text, we're looking at three things. We have the problem, the prophet, and the power. We're looking at these three things when Ezekiel walks down into the valley of potential and possibilities. And I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit shows him the bones and they were dry. And it says they were, what, very dry. They had been there a long time. Nothing was on them. Have you ever been in that dry valley? Come on. Ever been in that valley of hopelessness? Ever been in that place where you don't know what to do? You don't know to turn to the left. You don't know to turn to the right. You don't know if I'm supposed to go forward, if I'm supposed to stand still. I don't want to move backwards. Have you ever been in that valley of hopelessness? That's what God's showing the prophet, that there is not hopelessness. I'm going to show you what to do. We have the three things, the prophet, the problem, the prophet, the power. And they are all in the valley together. And I want you to listen close to what I'm about to say now. Just God being there with his power is not enough to change the problem. Well, God can do anything. Yes, he can. He's sovereign. He's God. But just him being there with his power is not enough to change the problem. Just to be in his presence is not enough. You can be in his presence and still have problems. Come on. Here's the key. You've got to make the connection. Come on. God took Ezekiel into the valley, but he did not fix the problem. Now, we saw it up on the screen. We saw Scripture come to life. He did not fix the problem until what? Ezekiel did what God told him to do. Come on. He wanted him, he wants you and I, come on, I'm including me in this, to make the connection between the problem and the power to change. Come on. Oh, come on now. It's going to get good. We're going to shift gears now. He's not going to change things until we decide that we want to change. Come on. Many of us run to God at the hint of a problem. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Because I've given you everything that you need to do to change the problem. But, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just change the problem. So I have a policy in our ministry and in, in people come to work for us. Don't run to me with problems. I've got enough. I don't need you to add to them. I have a policy that I learned from John Maxwell many years ago. If you bring me a problem, you better have five solutions tied to that problem that's going to fix the problem. Don't come to me because I've actually fired people that keep coming to me. We got a problem. We got a problem. We got a problem. We got a problem. I said, the problem is you're bringing me problems. You're not bringing me solutions. I need a solution. That would be like somebody saying, Pastor Matt, the cars keep running into, running into each other in the parking lot. What do we do? Well, you're ahead of parking. Figure it out. And then tell him, report to him, this is what we did. And as, as the head of the ministry, give him the leeway to, okay, that was good. But I think if we just tweak it just a little bit. See, when you're the senior pastor, you're not the one that's fixing the toilets and parking the cars. Come on. And when I was the associate pastor, I had people, and I, here I come walking in. Now, then I wore a suit and tie. I don't think I don't wear them as much as I used to. But the urinal in the men's room won't stop running. Do I look like a plumber? But you don't understand. It won't stop running. I said, did you jiggle the handle? Yes, but it won't stop. I'm like, I go to this man. I said, Bill, the urinal is, he goes, yeah, I know what's the problem. I'll fix it. Thank you. Went in with a screwdriver, one turn, done. Now they want me to get out a toolkit and just start tearing the thing apart. And I'm, look, if you put me in there and with plumbing or electricity, I'll burn the building down or flood it. I am not Bob Vila. We will have problems. Service is canceled today because Pastor Jerry decided to play with the electrical system. Not going to happen. 
But see, we run to God with these problems. And we say, hey, God, I don't know what to do. God says, I've told you what to do. I've showed you what to do. Now let me show you again. Let me give you this. I want you to write this down. We've got to make the connection. We have got to connect our faith to his desire. Real simple. We have to connect our faith to God's desire. God does not need faith. He is the author and creator of faith. Amen? My wife said that to me almost 10 years ago. Had a man show up at our house. They just changed one of my medications, and I was not doing well. And now this guy is obviously, he's a genius when it comes to medicine because he mows lawns for a living. It's nothing... Nothing wrong with that. If that's what you do for a living, do that your best, but don't try to diagnose people's medical problems. And he comes in, and he sits down, and he says, I just come by to see how you're doing. And I'm like, I'm not feeling too good today, but uh, I'll get better. And he sits down on the couch like this, and he looks at me and goes, I can tell you why you have cancer. I'm like, really? You have hidden sin in your life. I said, What? Because you heard me. You have hidden sin in your life. You have unconfessed sin. That's why you have cancer. Now, I was 155 pounds then. I was not in top physical shape. Because if I was, I would have picked him up and thrown him through the door. No waiting for no, no doorknob either. Come on. Let's get that church face off. You have people show up and say stupid stuff to you. Come on now. And my wife said, what did you say? She goes, because you heard me as hidden sin. She opened, gets up, she says, get out. And the dummy kept talking. She said, no, 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 you don't understand me. Opens the door, she said, get out. And he left. And I think the doorknob did hit him on the way out. And the redhead, something about redheaded women. She's a decided redhead, by the way. Just She decided one day she's going to be a redhead. And... Uh, which I like. I like blondes, I like brunettes, and I like redheads. So far, she's been two out of the three. So, maybe we get back, you'll try, become, no, it's not going to happen. Okay, well, never mind. She stood in front of me, between me and the TV, which is rude. She stood in front of me, and she said, don't you let that enter into your spirit. I'm like, I'm not. She said, God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. Yes? Now I've got my, just that loud buzzing noise. Mine's on silent. <laughs> just, just so that you all know, that was not my pacemaker going off. I don't have one. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. She turned and walked out of the room and gave me time to think. I need to connect my faith to his desire. You want the scattered areas of your life to come together today, the broken pieces, the jacked up pieces, the messed up pieces, the tore up from the floor up pieces. You've got to connect back to God. You've got to make the connection. When you connect back to him, things start changing. Yeah, they might be a little discomfort because when you're putting your bones back into alignment, when you go to the chiropractor and he starts twisting things and turning things, it doesn't feel good at first. But give it a day or two, all of a sudden he's, wow, I feel better now. What has he done? He's put the bones of your body back into proper alignment. That's what God wants to do for you spiritually is put things back into alignment, but you've got to allow him to do what he does best. You've got to make the connection. You've got to connect your faith to his desire. His desire is to heal you. His desire is to bless you. His desire is to put things back in its proper place. Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. God doesn't need it. God never does anything conveniently, by the way. That's when he works his best in our lives. Come on. Because if he worked his best, we wouldn't need faith when we wanted him to do it. If we said, God, I need you to fix this and fix it now, and it doesn't happen right now, if he did it every time we ask him, we wouldn't need faith. Come on. Those of you that are parents, if you just did everything your kids ask you to do when, you, when they wanted you to do it, they, somebody just said, they'd be a brat. Well, I've met a few of them. 
my kids did not get everything that they wanted. Come on. They got, they got things. I, I spoiled them, but they didn't get everything that they wanted. Now, I want you to watch, uh, just in your mind, watch, just go with this picture. He fed the children of Israel when they were in the desert manna. Manna translated into English out of Hebrew means, what is it? We don't know what this is. We've never seen this, this stuff before. He fed them. Then when they entered into the promised land, you can't grow wheat in sand. So he took care of them. Then they get into the promised land. You've got fertile soil, problem solved. The manna was cut off. The quail falling out of the sky so they could cook it. No more. You're in a land that can, that can now sustain you. Problem solved. God is a problem-solving God. He'll, he'll take you through the situation, but when the situation is through, problem solved. Come on. See, but we, we struggle with things, don't we? Oh, no, we don't struggle. We're positive confession people. We don't struggle with things, brother. We, we're positive. We're just, we're just so positive all the time. We're just positive. Praise God. We, we, just, we just walk around and just say, oh, glory to God. I just got hit in the head with a hailstone the size of a baseball, but I feel wonderful, praise God. Yeah, I know what these Texas hailstorms are like. I've been hit with a few golf ball hail. I, you know, praise God did not come out of my mouth. But have you ever struggled? Come on now. The prophet was struggling. Can these bones live again? Ezekiel said, I don't know, but. But is a conjunction that ties one part of the sentence to the ending part. It changes. It's a game changer. I was afraid, but. I was lost, but. Now I'm. I was blind, but. My life was a mess, but God changed everything. Jesus came into the picture and he changed everything. Come on. Which leads me to this, my third closing. I told you I don't have points anymore. I have closings. Stop speaking about your problems. You ever met those people who want to tell you every problem they got? Yeah, I have relatives that are like that. Well, tell me, here my sciatic is acting up. This is acting up. I said, well, just stop acting. Just stop. Quit acting. Why don't you be a positive confession person? Well, I got gout. I'm like, well, good for you. That's wonderful. Hope I never get it. And then about three months ago, I had it. Didn't know what it was. I thought I broke my toe. Thought I walked into the corner. I, I remember hitting the corner of the dresser. And I'm like, this hurts. Go to the doctor, and I'm thinking it's broken. He goes, No, sir, that's gout. And I'm like, Huh? I'm gonna quit hanging out with those people. God, they got all these problems. I'm gonna quit hanging out with y'all. Do you want to go to dinner? No, I got to go out of town. I'm gonna drive to the next county, so I'm not lying. I'm gonna just go drive. We're gonna drive out. We're gonna drive to Daytona Beach. Next time somebody like that, honey, remind me we have an emergency trip. We got to go to Daytona Beach because that's the closest Red Robin. Hey, I got a backup band. Cool. What song are we gonna sing, guys? Drop kick me Jesus through the goalpost of life. I know that song. Drop kick me Jesus through the goalpost of life. But the prophet stepped back, and let me just say it this way. I'm going to say it just like we say it in Texas. He stood back from the whole mess, and he spoke to the future. Come on. He stood away from it, and he spoke. When you stop speaking about your problems, stop speaking about your problems. My favorite scripture in the Bible, this too shall pass. Come on. Yes, we've got, we've got issues that we've got to deal with. We've got stuff. We've got, all got issues. Or I don't care how you say it. We know one lady says, I have, well, my child has issues. I don't care how you say it. Your child's messed up. You need to apply the board of education to the seat of learning. See, I grew up in a household. We didn't dispense riddling. They dispense paddling. Yeah, I've got issues. We all got issues. But see, there's two realities. Yeah. 
I got a headache, but I believe God's going to heal it. There's two realities. Whatever you, whatever you say is going to happen is one that's going to become your reality in your life. Yeah, I have a headache, but I know God's going to touch me. I know I got problems, but God's going to touch me. Key of G, guys. There you go. And let me, let me say this just before I close. 95% of counseling, according to a recent survey, is a total waste of time. Because it's the person is wanting the pastor or the counselor to side with their problem. Instead, they should be asking, can you help me strategize to fix the problem? Come on. Can help me strategize. Instead of running to Pastor Matt and Holly, say, I've got all these, I got these problems. You know, I've got a problem, but can you help me come up with a solution? Can you help me? Can you help me? I'm, I'm stuck, and I don't want to be stuck anymore. I don't want to be stuck on this issue anymore. I need some help. I'm, I've tweaked it all I can, but can you give me some advice to help, help me get me through? Come on. My fourth closing. Start speaking to your future. Speak to the future. When Ezekiel prophesied, he spoke to the thing that was not. When he looked past the problem, when you look past your problems, come on, when you look past your problems, something happens. When he looked past the problem, he heard a noise. There was a rattling. Bones came together. We saw it bone to bone. Then sinew, then muscle, then flesh, and it stood up an exceedingly, or a vast army, too many to count. Come on. God said, I'm not going to do anything until I do what, I, what you, I've told you to do. Prophesy. Speak. Speak to the bones. Now speak to the winds that the breath of God will enter into them. What you need to do today is stop speaking about your problems. Speak to your future and say, breath of God, breathe into my situation. Come on. Ezekiel did not have the capability of reforming man, but God did. When he made the connection, things happened. When he made the connection, the connection was do what God said to do. Come on. I was talking to Pastor Matt on Tuesday, and I was driving around, and while we were talking, God was telling me to do something. And I said, Matt, I've got to go. I've got to pull in. I've got to pull into the music store. I've got to buy a guitar. I'm going to buy my son-in-law a new guitar. He said, "Well, you better watch out. They get they can get expensive." I said, "Yeah, I know." And how many know God will tell you to do some things that sometimes you normally wouldn't do? Come on. And I bought him, my son-in-law, a brand new guitar, brand new Ibanez acoustic guitar, fully loaded, case. Strap, tuner, all bells and whistles that go with it. Took it to him that night, and I walk into the house, and there at my daughter's house, my son-in-law's house. He goes, Pops, you bought a new guitar? Because I've got a few. I don't have a lot, but I've got two really nice basses. And I said, yeah. I said, bought a new guitar today. He goes, oh. And I took it, and I handed it to him and said, happy birthday. He'll be gone for his birthday. It's at uh, twenty. It's at the end of this month, so he may not be home because he works offshore out of New Orleans. And the look on his face, it's like, I've never gotten anything this nice before. Well, I actually have. You got my daughter. <laughs> Dude, you got my daughter. You did get something really nice. In re but I'm talking about something as far as the look on his face. See... There was a connection made. And when you make the connection and you do what God tells you to do and you stop speaking about your problems, you start speaking to the future, God will show up and he'll make a way where there is no way. We used to sing this song a couple of decades ago, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways that we cannot see. He will make a way for me. Always will be by my side. God will speak in the most inopportune and in some of the weirdest times. Come on. But when you stop speaking about your problems, speak to your future. It's time that we stop speaking about them. And let me, let me drop this on you. I was having lunch a couple of years ago with one of my board members and drove down to Clewiston, Florida. And I said, I said, Chuck, I said, what, a, what is it that 
us pastors and ministers, what is, what is the one phrase that we're infamous for saying? And this is what he said. I closed with this. I said, no, that's the lie we tell every Sunday. I said, no, that's a, I said, that's, yeah, we do say that. I said, but here's what we say. I said, now, you'll catch this. Because I didn't catch it until I was on my drive down there when I was listening to what the Spirit of God had to say. Not the radio, not the turn my cell phone off, turn everything off. I needed three hours, just me and God just driving through the Everglade area. And the thing that we are famous for saying in the church is God is about to. The Spirit of God is about to. What we're saying is that we're building anticipation not only for you but for us. But then when God said this to me, he dropped this in my spirit. He says, what if, what if your about is right now? Oh, come on now. That was good. What if your about is today? What if your about is not in the future? It's today. You just got to reach out and grab it. Come on. You need to learn to ask God. Your miracle, your situation is about to change. You're one question, one proper question away from receiving a blessing that you never had before. Your about is today. You ask, ask, seek, knock. Come on now. You ask God, you seek God, and then you knock. Pastor Matt, come join me. I never want to close a service without giving somebody an opportunity to make a connection with Jesus. I never, ever close a service without giving somebody a connection to make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. And every head bowed and every eye closed. I love how you phrase that. It's not about a shameful thing. It's a time of introspection. You're here today and you're not sure that if you were to leave this world, Jesus, you would see him face to face. I want you to slip your hand up because I want to pray for you. Is anybody just honest enough and say, you know what? I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. Let me see your hand. You put your hands down. We're going we're gonna to pray this prayer together. I want us, all of us to pray this prayer out loud. I want us to say it, say it just like this. Lord Jesus, today I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I give you my life, every area of my life. And I'm asking you to help me connect to you. I turn my back on my past, and I turn my heart toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.